Infertility is a long emotional journey. For over 20 years, Dr. Ann has been witness to countless stories. From heartbreak to happiness, beautiful to unbelievable, each account is unique. You are not alone, you have options. These are the stories of the family she's treated. These are the true stories of real people like you. This is Everybody's Getting Pregnant But Me with Dr. Ann. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of Everybody's Getting Pregnant But Me. I'm your host, Dr. Ann, and I have been a practicing fertility doctor for over 20 years. During my 20 years, I've encountered some of the most fascinating, resilient, strong, and empathetic people, both patients and experts. I can't wait to tell you some of their stories. Today, we're going to be talking about the topic that is at the forefront of everyone's mind, and that is COVID-19. We're going to look at how COVID-19 has affected the mental health of infertility patients over the past eight months. I can tell you from my own personal story that infertility is one of the most stressful experiences a person can go through in their lifetime. However, to complicate it by going through infertility treatment in the midst of a pandemic has been unbelievably challenging. My guest today is Jen Marsh, who is a clinical licensed social worker specializing in the treatment of infertility patients. Jen has been in private practice for over 30 years and has seen a significant number of my patients throughout the years. Jen also has personal experience in the world of infertility, which makes this topic even closer to her heart. Jen, can you introduce yourself and just just tell us a little bit about yourself and your practice? My name is Jen Marsh. I've been in practice for about 30 years now. I treat anxiety, depression, and OCD. And within the last 10 years, I've started to see patients with fertility issues. And mostly because um, I have a personal experience with that and I know exactly what happens both psychologically and physically to your body when you're going through fertility services. And so I, I offer that to my patients. So mm-hmm. they, you know, I know exactly where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Jen, can you, would you mind just give us a little insight as to what you went through as far as fertility was concerned? So I was uh, 32 when I got married and I thought that we were going to get pregnant just like everybody else. You know, we wanted, because we we're a little older, we were going to have kids right away. And, um, and so it wasn't happening right away. And um, we didn't spend a whole lot of time on it because I was older. So my doctor did some tests and then realized that I was probably going to be better off going to a fertility specialist. Again, because of my age. But I think I'm about, I was, I'm about the age everyone getting married at at this time, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, you know, you, you go through that, that um, initial shock of why can't I get pregnant like everybody else? And, you know, even those couple months that you wait and try to do it naturally and most doctors, most gynecologists, um, I think if I remember correctly, they say six months. Mm-hmm. You have to try six naturally months, for six, six months. months. To a year. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I had to beg my way into a shorter period of time. And of course, just like we're talking about in this podcast, why was everybody getting pregnant? Mm-hmm. And that same, there was a couple of friends that got pregnant or got married and got pregnant right away, right around the time that we, we got married. Of course. So, um, you know, uh, going through that process, my doctor had done a couple different tests. Um, the the test, the um, HSG, mm-hmm. I think it was, where mm-hmm. they, they figured out where my fallopian tubes. That was actually, I was actually one of the lucky ones because we knew right away. 
what my problem was. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, w- I consider myself luckier in that aspect because some patients go through, um, there are patients in my office, they go through all these questions, you know, like, do I do the IUIs? Do I, or first of all, do I do the Clomid? And then do I do the IUIs? Then they get to the point of, you know, going to the IVF. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was easier because I had to do IVF. IUI wasn't going to work. Well, your tubes are blocked. My tubes are blocked. Mm-hmm. I, straightforward. Straightforward. I, I probably would have done it anyways. Um, only and because this is what I tell my patients a lot in my office is that the way I view it from a non-medical perspective is that IVF is just more scientific. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I see so many patients waste so much time with all these different different ways. Mm-hmm. And I know that sometimes they work. Dr. Ann, you could probably tell me better on that. But it's it seems like there's just, especially at that 30 age, anything over like 32 or something like that, just there's a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So... So for me, you know, I, I did I did the IVF and um, uh, I had pretty good egg quality um, at that age. So I was pretty excited about that. And then I don't know if anyone else, uh, what, the one funny story I tell people is, you know, we didn't, weren't telling anyone we were going through fertility mm-hmm. only because everyone else was getting pregnant right. without fertility. Everybody, is. Everybody was. And so I just felt like a failure. I'm like, why is my body failing me here? Um, but it, the funny story is I, you know, we weren't telling anybody, but as soon as my husband got um, tested, he told the world, he told everybody that it wasn't him. Of course. <laughs> I'm like, we weren't of even course, t- and that's the way it goes. <laughs> yes. So, um, of uh, yeah, he did, because you know, I don't know if it was a macho thing or something. So then uh, we didn't get pregnant the first round. We had to, we, I, think, I can't remember how many eggs we had. Um, but they were all quality. They were like double A. It was AA, I think. Mm-hmm, right, okay. they're graded. Yeah, they were graded. And then I'll I'll never forget my the consultation after not getting pregnant. My doctor looks at me and he goes, oh, he goes, out of everyone that I did transfers on that day, I would have put my money on you. Oh. And that actually, and that, 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 that make was, you feel. That was horrible. Oh, yeah. Horrible. It made you feel worse. Yeah, it made me feel worse. So, um, but we went ahead and um, I think we used up all our eggs at that point. So then we had to go through another cycle. So we had to go through another egg retrieval. So all that medication, everything. And I believe out of that, we got five embryos. Actually, I think we got two embryos. So I did another cycle and I got pregnant. Pretty excited Mm -hmm. about that. Everything going perfectly. And then I had a miscarriage. Oh, you've been through a lot. Yeah. So, you know, and... Um, a lot of ups and downs. Probably, yeah, it was nine weeks. And the ultrasound uh, tech at my fertility office said, oh, yeah, you could tell everybody. And we did. And then we had to untell mm. everybody. And it, was, it wasn't even anything that having to do with me. It had, we ended up, mm-hmm. because I was older, I begged my doctor, my gynecologist once again. I, mm-hmm. You know, you always got to beg. Um, and it was Down syndrome. So it was genetically in, abnormal. Genetically you can't abnormal. do anything about it. Yep, nothing. So that puts us into another round. And then we that's where we ended up getting five embryos out of that one, out of that cycle. So uh, transferred two uh, and one took. We now, I now have a 15-year-old daughter. Mm, time flies. Time flies. Yeah. She's got a permit. <laughs> um, so then after we uh, froze those, the other three embryos. But in that... That was starting, you know, anytime you have a child, mm. that puts a lot of strain on a marriage. Mm. 
So, so then, so now we had more waiting time Mm -hmm. and it was a really horrible time in my marriage and my husband kind of, he, he was kind of using that against me a little bit. So, So you know, and and yeah, everyone gets, everyone has, you know, some issues. And so, but eventually we ended up transferring three embryos because we had three left that we had froze. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll never forget the embryologist looks at me and she goes, she looks at my body and she says, you have a long enough torso. You could totally do triplets. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. She must have turned sheet white. <laughs> but anyhow, we transferred, we, we transferred three and I have twins now that are 12. So, but you know, obviously it wasn't without anxiety, depression, despair, you know, with every little thing I'll never forget. I think uh, I, f- I forgot. You could probably tell me better with uh, the FSH levels, and mine yeah. was mine was like a little high. I think is like constantly looking at that. Yeah. How oh, well oh, your yeah. ovaries are working. Yes. Looking at every little thing, every little detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember calling the doctor's office and the fertility office, and my my number was like a, a nine and like whatever it is. And I was, I was for sure my embryos weren't going to be okay, and I was going to have to do donor eggs. So then. If we would have had to do that, then that would have been another delay. Mm-hmm. And then then the psychological issues that come with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, lots and lots of ups and downs. But mm-hmm. you, it sounds like you've been through so much, so many of the things that our, our, our patients deal with yeah. now. Mm-hmm. So you can relate. Now, imagine going through all that in the midst of a pandemic. How do you think having the pandemic complicates all of that? Well, just just like, um, you know, for me, it was every time something didn't happen or I had to have another test, it was usually pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm seeing now with my patients is that everything is delayed. When they first, when they first figure out that they need to uh, go through fertility services, which is, which is so such a blow to you anyways it's mm-hmm. just so the depression the anxiety the the loss of dreams you mm-hmm. know that there's a chance that you're not going to get pregnant yeah and so what what i'm finding is is that not only are the you know they're having to wait really long times because of not being able to get into the offices um the you know fertility clinics are working at probably you know it seems like maybe 20 25% capacity they mm-hmm. can't they can't do as many cycles you know whatever the reasons are you know there's there's different things like um, some of my patients have to have the the HSG in the hospital and those waits are a lot longer mm-hmm. and so what i'm finding in the pandemic is that not only are people having to not be able to continually feel like they're moving forward because mm-hmm. they keep getting stopped by, you know, these these different things, you know, all sorts of lack of, you know, getting in, but also their home. Right. There's a lot of them are home. They're not yes. going outside of their home to work. So how do you think that compounds things? Oh, so, it's it's compounding it like uh, if I had taken like 50 times, because what's happening is that, you know, when you are when you're in your normal work day. You, you get up, you get dressed, you, you know, you take a shower, you get dressed, you brush your teeth, you um, figure out what you're going to wear, you, you know, eat breakfast, get in the car mm-hmm. or get in the car. Or, or a lot of times people get on public transportation, you go to work, you say hi to everybody in the office and you have a chance to kind of put that part aside from you, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. and people aren't getting that. So what they're doing is they're sitting home and they're sitting in front of a, a computer all day and 
They maybe they have two monitors and then one monitors their work and their other monitors looking up FSH levels. Yes, they're Googling. Yes, they're Googling. Dr. Google, Google is never to some a good point thing. is okay, but yes. too much of it is not a good thing. Right. Are you finding that they're they're becoming more sad or blue just because they're not getting ready in the morning and putting their makeup on and going outside of their house and getting their Starbucks, whatever it is that they need to do to feel better? Is it just that they're sitting at home so much more and they're not doing their normal routine that's compounding things? Absolutely. And absolutely. And that's just compounding things normally from somebody who's not going through fertility, but somebody who's going through fertility, it's just like horrifying Mm -hmm. for them. And they're so stuck. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that I'm, I'm getting from patients, they're telling me that because they're not having much social interaction, they're having a hard time. They don't, they're not going to the hairdresser who they may talk to about their fertility issues. They're not seeing the other maybe women at work that they talk to. Are you, are you finding that they are feeling much more socially isolated and that's making a big difference? Oh, absolutely. They're not seeing their coworkers. Mm-hmm. They're not seeing, um, they're not doing any holiday events. They're not getting together with their families. Here in Illinois, we can't even go to a restaurant and go out with our girlfriends and cry for yeah. a while, you know, and, and have, have our friends support us. We, we can't even hug right now. Yeah. So it's a whole nother level mm-hmm. of, of difficulty. What are your patients saying about some of the restrictions that the fertility centers are placing on patients? For example, to keep patients safe at at our center, we're only allowing one patient in at a time. So we used to have a big waiting room where a lot of the patients would sit and wait for their appointments and they'd mingle and talk to each other, kind of go back and forth about stories. And we would let their partners in with them for support. Now they have to sit in their cars and wait, which they don't necessarily mind that. We call them in, but they come in one person at a time. And I think that's making a big difference. Are you getting any feedback on, on things like that? Oh, absolutely. They f- the women are feeling very alone in this process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not their husbands or, or significant others, um, they, they, they don't get to come in and hear what you're saying. And yeah. I mean, you can, I guess you could kind of do that with, you know, some sort of like, you know, FaceTime or, or whatever, but that's mm-hmm. not always possible because we all, because, you know, not only do we, we, you know, we're working with our patients and we want to work with just our patients and not worth work about technology, but we also have confidentiality issues mm-hmm. too. So, you know, and, and also when you're in the office, like for instance, with the spouse or significant other, they can ask like questions or, or, or read that the, the, you know, their, their significant other is, you know, going to cry yeah. and maybe give them a hug or something. And, the, the women, I think, are feeling really lonely and isolating, which yeah. fertility can be really lonely and isolating anyways, even with a spouse. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with not having them in part of the process, it's like they're doing it alone. Mm-hmm. Not having a hand to hold while mm-hmm. they're there. I think that's been really, really challenging also. Um, but, you know, I, I'm also finding it amazing that it is extremely difficult with all these limitations. But the patients that are going through fertility treatment are, they seem to be so resilient. They're doing all of this. They're still coming to the office. They want to continue all this treatment. Um, What do you think about that? What can you make of the fact that they, despite all of these hurdles that they have to go to, they're still moving on with it? 
Well, I think the way to explain that is this is the most important thing they'll ever do in their life. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to, they're they're not going to stop. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're amazing. Yeah. Amazing to see what they're going through. And yes, by themselves, without a hand to hold. Um, and sadly, because of COVID, we have all sorts of restrictions. We can't hold their hand or hug them like we used to. Um, but I, I'm seeing some amazing things. These women are holding up so much and, and moving on and doing what they need to do. Um, do you do you think there's going to be any long-term effects from all of this? I, I see these patients going through this for months, months after months, and a lot of them, it's just compounding and they are getting more and more stressed. And I'm finding that I've got a lot of patients that are that are early 40s and are real worried about a timeline. What do you think about long-term effects from all of this? Well, I think like you said, some of the women in their 40s, you know, if if it's if it's being stopped, you know, for a couple months, you know, I, I always say it's tick-tock, tick-tock. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, every single month, it seems as though, you know, like even if they're able to get in like one month and then they can't get in next month, but then they come in the next month, the, their, their quality of their eggs are, are less their, um, you know, and then also, you know, if we, if we think about it too, well, that, that part in there where they, they can't come in, mm-hmm. they, they go down into a hole and, and you were, you, like you were saying though, people that or your patients are, they're really, you know, they're, pushing forward, they're driving forward. But in my office, they yeah. want to, they want to give up. Yeah. That's, I wondered about mm-hmm. that, right? They come in and they're very, very stoic. Um, but then again, we also don't have them sitting and waiting so that we can chit chat with them anymore like we used to. So I don't think I'm seeing a lot of their, their true feelings. Right. Right. But yeah. But yeah, uh, I've had quite a few patients recently who have either in their mid cycles or starting a little older and they're like, that's it. I'm going to give up. I, mm. I can't, it's too long of a wait. I have to, you know, I can't do this. If I just give up, then I, then I can just move on and maybe we'll look at adoption and I'm not even sure what that's looking like these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm trying to tell them, keep going forward mm-hmm. until, until your doctor says you can't go forward anymore. Keep going forward. But, and then, and then the long-term effects, like you're saying, is that, you know, well, I mean, the obvious one is that if they're, if they're, they're constantly either getting, I call them hurdles. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I never, I tell my patients all the time, these it's they're hurdles. They're not stoppers. They're not brick walls. Mm-hmm. You can you can keep jumping over them, you know. And I'll help you jump over them as they come. And um, and then if you you know you think that you sprained your ankle on one of those hurdles, we're gonna wrap it up and you can so you can move mm-hmm. on, right? That's the analogy I use in my office. But I worry about the patients who again are older, mm-hmm. and if we wait too long, then they're gonna they're yeah. they're gonna go through the devastation of never having children. And then, you know, and then when, as they get older, you know, their, their chances of adoption get mm-hmm. worse. Mm-hmm. It so, all gets harder. Yeah. It gets, it's we're, what we're doing by not allowing the, the clinics to be able to be open. I don't know, maybe space them out or, or in the waiting room or something like that, but yeah. get as many patients as they can in that want to get in mm-hmm. helps those patients continue. And, and then if we can't let them continue, then one of the long-term effects is they're not going to get pregnant. Yeah. You think they'll have anger over that or sadness? Oh, I think the anger and the, the, the sadness or depression is would 
last a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a pretty serious thing. It's very difficult to go through. And in the midst of a pandemic, even even more so. I think there's lasting effects too. Now, are you finding that now that the vaccination is coming out, people are becoming more optimistic or are they still real scared because the number of COVID cases is so high? Yeah, you know, I'm finding in my office that they I, they're not really they're not really concerned about the the numbers mm-hmm. the covid numbers they really it really when you go through fertility treatment you have blinders it's on interesting yeah yes you do mm-hmm. not see what's i mean obviously they see what's going on around the world but um it doesn't matter mm-hmm. you know yeah it's interesting they just keep wanting to move forward yes. yeah so i don't see the vaccination giving anybody any relief mm-hmm. you know because we have a lot of questions about the vaccination yeah you know it, it is definitely hope and it might take a while for everybody to get it to. Right, right. Um, what would you suggest? So it is obvious that this is an extremely difficult and trying time for for anybody going through fertility treatment and the healthcare workers that are that are helping these patients. What are some suggestions? What can can patients do to get kind of get them through this time? Well, one of the, the I guess the the first thing that comes to my mind is don't give up. Yeah. Do not yeah, give good up. Advice. Yeah. Do not give up. Keep going. You yeah, know, this talk, will pass. This will pass. Keep going. Go as fast as your doctor will let you go. Mm-hmm. Good um, advice. But what I also, you know, I what I've been trying to do is help people focus on other things too that are going on in in the you know in their lives. Like um, one thing, a lot of times I ask my patients if they have a dog. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. You know, great. because dogs are they're you know they're they're proven to reduce blood pressure. They're proven to re- reduce um, depression. They give give the patients something else to focus on. You know, taking care of a, a dog is and, and dogs just have unconditional love. Mm, good advice. Yeah. Um, what I also do well, and even when it's really cold outside. Um, this is one of the things we do with anxiety treatment is um, it's a method called change of temperature. Mm. And so when they start to get really anxious and some, sometimes I see my patients who are, who are, you know, working through fertility, they have that uh, the anxiety is so high that they're starting to have what we classify as panic attacks. Mm-hmm. And one of the, one of the ways to get out of a panic attack is to do a change of temperature. So what I do is I ask them, you know, to take a walk and I give them that tool that they can do if they can start to feel themselves um, having a panic attack to go outside mm-hmm. and take a walk. Even if it's like, um, you know, 30 below, go out, just put your stuff on, go outside. You're going to breathe different air. You're going to, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have different smells. Uh, if it's, if they really don't want to go out, I tell them to chew on some ice because mm-hmm. that'll actually, that'll actually reprogram the brain from the panic attack. And because your brain, will, yeah, your brain will be like, oh, yeah, what's going on? But I also, um, I am also asking people not to Google stuff, you know, yeah. as much as I love yeah. Google and it's a wonderful mm-hmm. thing. Hard not to, but yeah, probably good advice. Dr. Google is not a good place to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also with their significant other, um, really try to, um, talk about other things and do other things that you enjoy. Um, you know, find what the things that you can do when you're not in a pandemic that, you know, some things are open, right? We can always go for walks mm-hmm. and um, there's a couple of different places we can go to the zoo, like Lincoln Park Zoo or wherever you're from, you know, outdoor mm-hmm. zoos and stuff. Um, and, and do the things that you normally would love to do that are still open. Play games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, the one other thing too is that um, I'm finding with um, you know, 
patients who are coming in with fertility issues and they're both working from home, which is, I don't even know what the percentage mm. is. I'd say 70 to 80%. At least, yeah. Um, they're with their spouses all the time and they're constantly, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? What do you think of this? What do you think of that? And that takes a toll on the significant other. And then that causes marital issues. Yeah. So, you know, as much as we want to talk to our spouse about other things, we got to remember that, that, you know, that... Um, they're not going through it the same way. They're going, they're, they're dealing with it in their own way, mm-hmm. but to um, maybe reach out to friends or parents or something like that, like try not to put the whole burden on on the, the other person who's going through that with you, because it's just, it, when, yeah. when we bring them down, mm-hmm. then we're both going to be down. They're both going to be down. Yeah. And so. it's got to be easy. Everybody in the same house or yes. same apartment. It's easy to just talk to that one person. Mm-hmm. over and over again, it's so much easier when they're not in the same room. If, if we were both, they're both at work, you may not be calling them so much. They're both at home. You exactly. ask each other constantly for their input. Hmm. Well, those are all great suggestions, Jen. Do anything else that you can think of? This is, this is a very, very challenging time. I personally am I am seeing the light at the end of the terminal. I I am telling my patients, continue. Let's continue on. This will get better. And until it does, we're going to keep everybody super, super safe, but we're going to do everything we can to keep, keep everybody on track. Anything else that you have to add? Anything else you can tell our patients that would help them. I, you know, kind of just, I, I think what I had said before is don't give up. Yeah. Don't and, give up. I think can, that's great. Yeah. Continue, continue doing what you can talk to your doctor, ask the questions you need to ask your doctor and just don't give up. Continue. Even mm-hmm. if you get a delay for, on something, um, you know, hopefully the clinics don't shut down again. Mm-hmm. Um, but just keep going. Mm-hmm. That's going to be my advice too. Don't give up. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, Jen. thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you. And I will see you real soon. Okay. okay. Bye-bye. Thank Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Everybody's Getting Pregnant But Me with Dr. Ann Borkowski. For additional information, a copy of this podcast, or to get in touch with Dr. Ann, please go to www.northshorefertility.com. Until we see you again, stay focused and keep moving towards your dreams. This podcast was edited and produced by Sonic Transformation. Sonic Transformation, your sound refined.